Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode six of the Tweener Podcast, presented by the Tennis Nerds. And we also want to give a special thanks to our sponsor, Stick It Wear. Joey, why don't you give us a rundown of what we're going to be talking about today? So, really excited about today's show. I think this could potentially be our, our best one yet. We've got a lot to cover. Um, after Zach gives his Tweener of the Week, we've got uh, a fantastic interview with Mark Stein, uh, an ESPN NBA reporter who covers as a tennis nerd in, the, in, his, in his free time. And then um, we got to discuss some very important issues. Sharapova, Maria Sharapova yesterday tested positive for uh, performance-enhancing drugs. Um, we'll discuss that. And then we have our our newest Stick It Wear competition for uh, Indian Wells. And I think this one's gonna be a little simpler for you guys to enter, um, and hopefully win a free shirt. So um, without further ado, let's get into our uh, tweener of the week. Let's do it. Okay, so sixth edition of Tweener of the Week. Last week I went with Nick Kyrgios, uh, who has been in the news of late yeah. for some things, which we will discuss <laughs> later in the show. Um, but let's get to it. Uh, Zach, you take the floor away. Oh, tweener of the Week. Yep. So this week's Tweener of the Week, we will take it back to one year ago, Indian Wells 2015. Juan Monaco against Donasi Koganakis. It was a um, a break opportunity for Juan Monaco late, later in the second set. He hit. It wasn't the prettiest of tweeners. It was a lob tweener. I know you don't like that very much, Joey. Not, well, Kyrgios's last week was a lob tweener. True. I remember it. It was a good moment, but yeah. But I mean, with, with, with this one, like he lifted his leg up a little bit more exactly. than most. Exactly. That, that was why I had an issue with it. I know. I know. But it was on a very big point. It was in a clutch moment. He took it to a third set, even though he went on to lose the match. Yeah, actually, he was. Um, that was sort of his the start of start of his comeback last year. So. Yeah. All uh, right, Indian Wells. So, of the week. Indian Wells, Indian Wells coming up Thursday. Thought Video about will be posted below. Yeah. And let's. That's it for Tweener of the Week. Yeah. Little layoff, so I hope you guys didn't miss Tweener of the Week. I'm sure you did, but. I mean, I know I was missing it. Yeah, I know. I was just thinking about this one for like felt like years now. So, we will now transition. To an interview I conducted earlier today with one of the biggest tennis nerds I know. A great guy, a great interview. Really, really hope you guys enjoy it. Without further ado, here is a, a great 20 minute interview with Mark Stein. So, joining me now is Mark Stein, an NBA reporter for ESPN, and somebody you probably didn't know was a huge tennis fan. Mark, why don't you introduce yourself? Should I be called a tennis nerd? You are absolutely a tennis like nerd. It. It's one of the nicest things you could say about me. If so, yeah, I, uh, tennis is, I would say, probably my first sporting love. There's really four sports I would say that matter to me, really only four. Soccer, hockey, obviously the NBA is my Olympic career, but tennis was actually the sport that I dreamed about as a kid. I desperately wanted to be a pro tennis player. Didn't get within a zillion miles of that. 
because I wasn't very good. Luckily, I realized that pretty early. So really, I, my thought was I'm going to make the tour as a journalist. That was my plan throughout my teenage years. And I did. I did start off as a tennis writer. I covered tennis pretty extensively from 87, basically when I started college, through 93 until I got on the NBA beat. So I, I did cover it for a good five, six years. And now I really just enjoy it as a Sunco fan. Uh, the NBA, I think, is now that I've done this for 20-odd years, I think it's what I was born to cover. It's been the perfect beat for me to cover. But just as a fan, I'm still hugely into tennis as much as time allows. And whenever there are breaks in my schedule, I... I'll go to, go to as many tournaments as I can, speak in as much tennis as I can, and I, I absolutely can't get enough. I love being around it. So why don't you, uh, I know you are in a car right now, and you're, uh, you're going to a pretty big tournament, eh? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty lucky. Usually the schedule works against me. I have these grand plans of going to a day of this or a day of that, and something gets in my way. But today the planets have aligned. I'm actually in California on NBA business, and there's also the U.S. Olympic Summit. U.S. Olympic Media Summit is in Los Angeles, which okay. I'm covering. Uh, the, the USOC has a, has a, a big media gathering every year, but the, I'm bring basketball at the Olympics this summer, and the basketball availability is not until tomorrow, which means I am in the process of sneaking away to Indian Wells Qualies Going to catch up on my boy, Mitch Kruger. He's first on this morning. So hopefully, traffic willing, I will get there in time to see Dallas' own Mitch Kruger play a qualifying match. Dallas guy. Um, so, yeah, so you're going to qualities this morning. Um, what would you say now that, obviously, you talked about sort of your passion. Uh, now that you've gone in, you've, you've, you've worked so long in basketball and now you're in tennis, um, is, is sort of that lower level um, what you really appreciate watching most, or are you still like everybody else love, love watching Fed Joker? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty, you know, I'm, I'm pretty honest with myself. I, uh, I have some very weird slash eccentric taste, however you want to describe them. I love the Collies. I think it's probably because the very first U.S. Open I went to in 1986, I was in high school, and I went to Collies that whole U.S. Open and just loved it, the whole notion of being able to go to qualies and it's free and you can just see these guys fighting for their lives. And, you know, I was 16, 17 at the time and it just stuck with me. So I love qualies. I love challengers. Djokovic better to have a good time. So a day like today, you know, I love this. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll love being out there just watching the struggle. I don't know, there's just, you know, I mean, you know better than me. These guys, there's so many. These players are so good, and the life is so hard. Yeah. You know, again, if, you know, at 13, 14, you, you know, you dreamed of being a tennis player, and in your head, it's so glamorous. And you know, I'm, I'm a kid, and it's, it's the heart of the McEnroe, Connors, Kendall generation. And you know, that's what you see on TV, and that, that's what you think it is. But this sport is so hard. You know, even if you're a top 100 player, you, you gotta live. With losing, you have to learn how to lose, and so you know I, I could watch I could watch qualies all day long. I, I I absolutely love it. All right, and uh, I know um, 
so I haven't talked to the viewers on this show yet about Davis Cup, which just wrapped up this last weekend. Um, pretty interesting weekend with uh, actually some pretty good matchups, Nishikori Murray. Um, now, I know you're a big Israeli uh, tennis fan, and obviously I know, I know Davis Cup has been something that we've talked about. You've got some great stories. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about you know, your experience with Davis Cup? Yeah, that, that's really, for me, I guess where it started. My, my family, all my family's from Israel. My brother and I, we were the first born in the United States. So um, I would spend a lot of time in Israel as a kid. And I, my, when I first started getting into tennis, that was kind of like my boyhood dream. I, I wanted to play Davis Cup for Israel, obviously knowing, okay, I'm, I'm never going to be good enough to play for the United States when, you know, especially in the 80s, our, our Davis Cup team was off the charts, obviously. Yeah, not bad. Which, when, when, when you're talking McEnroe and, and McEnroe and Fleming, and then obviously Dean, Andre, just years and years and years of just absolute monsters. So I, I thought to myself, okay, you know, even though that was ridiculous to even say this out loud, but I'm going to play Davis Cup for Israel. That's my dream. And it, that really just started my, my love affair with Israeli tennis. I was 13, 14. So in adulthood, you know, I've followed them. Obviously, you know, I've always followed the Israeli players very, very closely. That's kind of been my my focus as, as, a, as a tennis fan. But in adulthood, going on ten years ago now, great John Worthon from Sports Illustrated introduced me to Andy Ram, of course, part of uh, you know Israel's great doubles team, Ram and Ehrlich, who won the 2008 Australian Open. So John introduced me to Andy. I became friends with him, and through Andy, I ended up getting to know really all of the modern Israeli players of the last 10 plus years. And so in 2013, they had a World World Group playoff in Belgium and brought me with them. And I can honestly say, in all my life, you know, I've been covering the NBA now for 20 odd years, I've covered the World Cup in soccer. I've covered the Rose Bowl. I've covered the Stanley Cup Finals. I've got to cover a lot of amazing things. But for me to basically live out my boyhood dream, to go with Israel to an away match in the Davis Cup was, for me, the greatest sporting trip I could ever take. It was. And we lost 3-2 on clay, but took a 2-1 lead into the final day. And Israelis hate clay. Just the fact that we even had a chance to win yeah. was, was a bit of a miracle. There was also some some good fortune involved. Uh, Go fan, who I guess if you have to be on the tennis nerds, you're supposed to call him. What do you guys call him? God fan. He broke his hand right before the time, <laughs> so he could he couldn't play. And so that gave that gave Israel a fighting chance on clay. Took a two one lead in the final day. Ended up losing, which was heartbreaking. But to be on that trip was, I honestly, I can't even put it into words. It was, it was a dream come true. Yeah. So, so what do you? I, I don't know if you've heard about the proposed um, rule changes to the Davis Cup or format changes, might I say? Um, but essentially, uh, starting well, it's not in in stone yet. But essentially, they want to they want to reduce the amount of um, weeks between. They want to just do like a semifinals and final at the same time. Um, you know, what do you think about that? Obviously, you sort of experienced that that world group, but also group one aspect, um, what would you think about sort of putting more teams in one venue? Well, I mean, that's obviously what they do in Fed Cup, and I'm a purist, so whenever I hear change at first, I always hate it. Like, I just, just hearing the idea, I don't like it, 
But if you're going to tell me participation goes up, I think whatever happens, whatever is done to ensure that all the best players play, that's what has to happen. Because I think that's that's what we all want. We all, you know, we've all seen it when when Federer plays for Switzerland. You know, we, we saw what it meant to Andy Murray last year for, for Great Britain to finally win. But when the best players play, it's so good. And it's depressing when, you know, they decide, you know what, this just doesn't work in my schedule and I have to skip Davis Cup and I have to be selfish and focus on myself. So I think you've got to give the players a voice in it. But if guys are going to, if they say that the format change would really make things better and easier for them to play, then I think you have to look at it. Yeah, yeah, because it's obviously it's it's never really a problem with um, sort of the the teams like Israel or the teams that are sort of battling to get in that world group. That I mean, I, very rarely will you know a, a nation's top player who you know oftentimes won't you will probably be maybe fifty in the world or eighty in the world. You know, they're always playing. And okay, uh, but just to give just to give you just to give you the counterpoint though. Okay, so uh, Judy Sella, my beloved Judy Sella, just played Davis Cup this past weekend. Yeah. And he couldn't play Indian Wells because the thought of getting here, getting to Indian Wells from Hungary in time, that's, that's a really tough turnaround for him. So, and what, I think yesterday we saw Floria withdrawal. He, he probably would have made the big draw in retrospect. And, you know, he, he didn't play Indian Wells because it's such a tough turnaround. So there's always, there's always a scheduling issue with tennis. I mean, the schedule's insane for everybody. So... Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta look at changes. I guess to be progressive, it's, it's, it's never a good idea to just say this is the way we've always done it. So let's keep doing it that way. It's good to at least consider change. No, absolutely. And I mean, I've seen the other side of it too, where they do play Davis Cup, but then they try and get there. Last year, I was in Binghamton and. Sakith Mayeni and another player were there, and they essentially had got in like a night before. And even if you do make it. You're just com- your body is just completely gone for that next match. So there's no no doubt that you know even if they decide to get there, it's probably not a a, a great decision for them either. So um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, uh, to recap, Davis Cup. I think uh, well, Djokovic played a, a very tight five setter with Kukushkin, which looked like it was almost he almost lost. He's down two sets to one. Murray won a five setter against Nishikori, so it was a pretty good weekend of Davis Cup. So. We're going to get into a little comparison game with your sport of profession, basketball. I'm going to throw you a tennis player, hopefully that you know. I'll try to make them fairly easy. And you got to make some sort of comparison. It could be physical, could be emotional, could be the way they play, talent, work ethic, anything. you got to make a comparison to an NBA player, all right? I'll do my best, man. I'll see if I... Uh, if I uh... I can deliver here for you. This isn't easy. I I, I could I could promise you that. So, um, we'll start you're off. Gonna, with, you're gonna bail, are you gonna bail me out if I get stuck? I th- I think I can help you out. But I'm gonna I'm gonna start you out with some ones that I think are, are sort of right in your right in your strike zone. So we're gonna start with an American, uh, Steve Johnson. Who is the NBA's Steve Johnson? Wow, Steve Johnson. Who is the NBA Steve Johnson? You know, think about somebody who really had to work hard through college. Maybe wasn't the wasn't the most um, highly sought after, or didn't people didn't really think he was going to make it as high as he did? Well, Draymond Green has that kind of background in terms of being, okay. you know, oh, you know, he slipped in the draft, but tennis-wise, you know, Draymond Green is so... Yeah, 
Yeah, he's a star. <laughs> not, not that, no, well, not that Stevie's not a star, because I love Stevie's from Orange County like I am. I'm a big, I'm a huge Steve Johnson fan. Game-wise, I don't know that it's the perfect match, but maybe background-wise. Okay, I like it. I like it. Yeah, Dream on because, because I think Steve's proven a lot of people wrong, and he's a top 30 player now, and I don't, I don't know if people thought he was going to do this coming out of college, but... Same thing with Draymond Green. When I see Draymond Green, I, you know, I, I tell him, I'm like, look, man, I, don't, I, I watch college basketball. I didn't see you in college at all, but it's, it's stunning to think that he slipped to the second round. Even the Warriors, forget, even the Warriors passed up Draymond Green in that draft. They drafted Festus and Beely first and let Green go to the second round, and now guy is he's an all-star. Yeah, he's having an unbelievable year. Um, okay, that was a good one. Uh, now we're going we're gonna to throw you duty, Sela, your man. Um, small in stature. So who is who would you say is the duty sailor of the NBA? Oh, uh, man. Let's see. Who would be... I know this isn't exactly an easy height comparison here. Yeah, there's... I mean, they're really, uh, you know... I don't have the obvious... Well... I mean, stature-wise, Isaiah Thomas is probably the best small man of the day. Okay. But, you know, King Duty, we like to call him pound for pound. He's the best pound for pound player in the world. We can get away with saying it because he only weighs about 140 pounds. Um, but I guess stature-wise, you have to go Isaiah Thomas. He's, and I, Thomas is, is similar, I would say, to Duty in the sense that, uh, you know, he's, he's smart and he's crafty and, and finds a way to get a, get a good shot most of the time, which I would say Duty does as well. Okay, okay. Um, all right. Uh, we're going to go somebody who we're going to stick with an American, somebody who played basketball, um, John Isner. Well, you know, he and, he and Nowitzki are tight, so maybe I should just lump the two of them together. Okay. Um, I, know, I, know John, are, I know John actually has a – Yeah, he has a, John has a pretty good outside shot, doesn't he? I think so. I have not seen him shoot a basketball. I, I have. About for that. But I will tell you this. Nowitzki, his serve is absolutely textbook flawless. He doesn't get to play a lot of tennis, as you can imagine. Uh, doesn't really get to pick up a racket until the season's over. But his serve, I would venture to say there is not a pro athlete outside of tennis who hits a better or more textbook serve than Davinsky. So that, yeah, it's, that's it then. Whether it's, whether it's Isner, Karlovich, any of the big boys, you could you could you could lump them together. His uh, Dirk, Dirk serve is is quite quite useful. Yeah, and, and I, like I said, I, I know I know their buddies. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of these guys. Sam Query, Isner, Marty Fish are all all good buddies with Davinsky. Mark Knowles. They, uh, Dirk, Dirk knows a lot of tennis players and that they're all talented. Yeah, I know Dirk. I know Dirk, at least for the last couple years, has made the, the challenger there in Dallas. And, uh, yeah, I know the, the guys, having talked to some of the players, they, they, love, they love it that he has that sort of um, excitement just to watch you know, their, a lower level of their sport play. So it's a good comparison. Um, we'll go last one. Um, Non-American. This one's going to be, I think, a little bit – I think it's easier, but maybe I'm wrong. We're going to say Grigor Dimitrov, a lot of talent, 
Grigor Dimitrov, who's the basketball version of, of Grigor Dimitrov? The basketball version of Baby Fed. Baby Fed. I, th- I think there's a lot of different ways you could go here. Yeah, you, 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 could, you nominate a couple, but I'll break your, I'll okay. break your... Okay, okay, okay. I'll, I'll nominate a couple. So I'm thinking of somebody who has, like, just absolutely, like, perfect shooting technique. Like, you know, everything you would teach. Um, so I'm thinking somebody fairly young. Uh, I don't want to say... Cause I, and I, I, I want to say someone who's been successful, but maybe hasn't quite gotten to where they should be. Um, well, if you want to say perfect shooting technique, Clay Thompson would be a good number. Yeah, I was. But I would say. Yeah, I was about to say that, that, but I don't think. But I would say Grigor is not. You know, he's not quite delivering as much as his promise would suggest. Yeah. I think Clay Thompson is, is playing at a really. He's playing at a higher level and delivering at a higher level. So. No. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, I was going to say that I think Clay is playing above. Sort of where where people thought he would be. So I, I, that one that one was in my that one was in my head. How about somebody older? How about somebody that um, maybe you know has always scored a lot? You know, I think this year he was having a good year until they they uh, they started to struggle a bit. What about Carmelo? What about uh, Carmelo? Never never really was able to get that team together that or hasn't yet that that won a title. say that I mean I'm, I'm actually a fairly pretty big Knicks fan so I was I was liking the way they were playing earlier this year but I'm like 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 Porzingis but for sort of falling apart so um all right uh let's just close off with uh, a little a uh, little more talk into um your thoughts on uh tennis this year and um, sort of where you're going from now so obviously you're Indian Wells um you know obviously the the how have you seen the landscape of of American tennis in particular change because uh, I know you know a lot of the American guys and um, I would you know I would say a lot of my followers know that I think that you know we're with Taylor Fritz and Francis Tiafo and Michael Moe we're sort of on the up or for sure on the up in my mind how have you seen that that progression you know over 30 years where we used to be dominant and then we're not and I think we're back on the way up well Fritz is a beast I've never seen him in person but I've watched him enough on streams and you know his Probably the first big win of his career was a year ago in Qualies when he when he beat my man Duty here. That yep. was really kind of the first big win of his his career. And, and I mean, you know, but but what I you know I'd be lying if I told you that I thought a year later that Duty would already be in the top 100. So I know he's actually supposed to be practicing with El Potro today. I don't know that I'll get there in time to see that, but I'm I'm eager to see him in person. I think my general reflections are just. As a lover of the game, it saddens me just that the sports profile has slipped so much. Yeah, I think we do have we do have a lot of good players. Uh, you know, even look, it, tennis was, it was 
perfect storm where the personalities were just so outside and it was a tennis boom in this country and you know of course the late great Bud Collins was a huge part of, of expanding the sports popularity yep. and really through the 80s and the 90s and, and when I was in the heart of both growing up and then custom tennis the game was so big and now it just there, there, are, there is so much competition for the consumer dollar uh, that, let's face it, I mean, tennis just doesn't have the same profile. And, you know, obviously, just as a fan of the game, that, that, that bums me out a little bit. I mean, if you want, you know, just, just even being more narrow from a, from a journalistic perspective, it, it, was, it was hard enough even then. Yeah. You know, when I when I when I swiftly realized as a teenager that I was not going to be a professional tennis player, like I said, my my next thought was, okay, I'm going to make it as a journalist. But even then, in the glory days, there were only five, six guys in America, five, six men or women in America who could really make a living covering tennis. And now it's essentially I, yeah, it, it's really really hard. Yeah. You know, I, we, we care about this sport during the U.S. Actually, what you said there was interesting because, um, you know, you said that, you know, you wanted to be a journalist on the tour and even then you realized. And so that's, I think now it's gotten to the point where, I don't know, there was a tweet um, the other day I saw the amount of people working in PR compared to the amount of journalists. And uh, as a journalism, you know, a senior journalism major myself, it's certainly something that I looked at and uh, something that I'm looking at now as I look for jobs. So, um, yeah, I mean, in the U.S., having knowing most of them, there's, if you want to really make a career out of it, the smartest way to do it is really actually to work for one of the tours or for one of the tournaments um, because there's so few um, full-time, especially, jobs in tennis journalism. So that's, that was definitely an interesting point you made there that I don't think I've ever talked to the people about. So that was, that was good. Um, all right. Mark, thanks for joining us. That was, uh, was an awesome conversation. Enjoy Indian Wells. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll catch up with you soon. I will talk. Thanks for having me. Thanks for all your tweets, helping me stay informed when I'm on the run. An honor to join you, man. So, like I said, I think that was a, a fantastic, uh, fun, and uh, interesting interview with somebody who, you know, a lot of people don't know is uh, so passionate about sport tennis. So, um, enjoyed that. And uh, so Zach and I, we have a couple of things to discuss because it's been a little while since we've had an episode out. Um, that was planned, believe it or not. Um, so let's discuss, while we're on the topic of Davis Cup, we talked about Davis Cup with, uh, with Mark. Um, Nick Kyrgios, as we mentioned earlier in the show, yes. um, was supposed to play for Australia, was selected by Leighton Hewitt, did not, did not play, said he was sick, stayed home in Canberra. Um, he, was, he, was work, he was managing an injury from uh, after two great weeks in Marseille and Dubai and then did not play Davis Cup. Injury, illness, who knows what it was. But um, Bernie Tomic called him out. Yeah. Uh, which was uh, interesting. He did that on the court <laughs> and off the court. Um, and then after Ben, a friend of the show, 
uh, had written uh, that Hewitt, you know, maybe should shouldn't shouldn't think so much about playing himself. Uh, Nick decided to tweet that Ben was the quite possibly the worst writer there ever was, and that he could sit the um, down. Uh, with with other language, sit the beep down. So I, I haven't I really talked to you about this, Zach. What what is your overall thoughts on this situation? Yeah. Um, who's in the right? Who's in the wrong? I it's it's really hard to tell because Hewitt. Yeah, he just retired. I know you. Always, I mean, we're because Ben is a friend of the show, and you, we're obviously going to support Ben. But I think that Hewitt just retiring is a country and all-around fan favorite by so many people around the world. Everybody loves his intensity and his enthusiasm towards the game. And when he's on court, it brings just a whole other aspect. Oh, no, by no means am I disagreeing that. I think, I mean, no, Ben Ben brought up an interesting viewpoint. Uh, I probably would have agreed with him, but at the same time, Leighton played pretty well in doubles. I thought he was the better returner. We were watching the match, and he was absolutely training a turn. The backhand return. But I I think Ben Ben was speaking to a different point. It was more about, you know, the possibility of him playing himself in singles and just having retired, having being off an emotional high. When you're a captain, you have to stand there and work. And you know how Leighton is. He's so energetic on the sideline. He's got to – that takes a lot of emotional energy out of you. And so um, that's not really what I was talking about. I'm talking about more in terms of Kyrgios, Tomic – and just the drama around it all. You know, yeah. wh- what are your thoughts on that? Well, well, I have thoughts. Well, well, the thing is, is that, you know, we all know that these Australian players, especially the young guys, especially guys like Kyrgios, guys like Tomic, they're not afraid to speak their mind. Which is, that, which, which pisses a lot of people off. It but, does. But, but you know it, what? As me and Stein had talked about, back in the 80s when guys were saying whatever, were saying crazy things, people loved tennis. Exactly. And so right now people might, you know, they might be the villains, but they're probably attracting people to watch the yeah, sport. Yeah, it's good for the sport. I mean, any a lot of times people say any attention is good attention, any advertising is good advertising. And you see it all like with totally different genres, whether it's like celebrity gossip even. Yeah. You know, it it works in such similar ways where well, it's drawing people in. Well, while you're talking about all attention is good attention, um I'd like to dispute that claim. As we transition to Maria Sharapova. It, it <laughs> that brings, is not good for the sport. It's not good for that the sport. That is not good for the sport. People are talking about tennis, though. Yeah, that's, but it, they're talking about it in the fact that this, you know, I'm talking, this is from an outsider's perspective, okay? Obviously, I don't feel this way. But an outsider says, wow, you know, the number two player in the world in this sissy sport tennis had the dope just to try and catch up and, and all, this, all this crap. Yeah. But it it brings together a lot of larger points in terms of doping and tennis, which is something I've been very passionate about. I've studied a lot over the last few years. Um, you know, this is the, the biggest profile case of a pot. And it, there was an actual positive test and that, somebody, we've, that we've ever seen. And somebody, and she admitted to it right away. And she took of, full responsibility. Exactly. Well, yeah. she did say that, you know, she had taken it medically for 10 years, even though, That's true. even she though the did. company that made the, the drug had said that it was a four to six week, um, you know, yeah. prescription, and it wasn't approved by the FDA in the U.S. She, so exactly. she it has takes, a lot of she had trust me. She's there's a lot for her to answer. And I don't think, I think we'd be ignorant to say that um, this was a hundred percent just an honest mistake that anybody could have made yeah. because not any, because as players have said and 
you know, they these this is their career. They they should double check and triple check the new banned substances list. Exactly. So it's something they should have been aware of. Something that even um, Russian I don't know if it's the sport athletic committee or sports like like the people that run um, the sports things in Russia uh, had already sent out notifications to all Russian athletes that. Well, yeah, this, act, this I had seen. Melbourne I had actually that. seen this release in September of last year, saying that effective January one, yeah, this drug was going it, to be put that, out. That's that's when it was released. And yeah, a lot of Russian athletes have very recently tested positive. A figure skater, a volleyball player, for yeah. this for for the same the same. In drug, case anybody meldonium. was wondering, it is meldonium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and it is used to treat is. Is came is chemia? Well, she was well. Her her that is but, like okay, its but, main use. Okay, but she was she was saying that she, she has, her family has a history of diabetes, exactly, um, and that she had but, been having issues on court with um, while that while that her energy level up. Well, right. Well, that may have appeared valid initially. That I'm not is what sh- she said. Not sure that's really the case anymore, given that you know if you're taking this for ten years, and yeah. I know you know the whole TUE thing. I know players that. You know, you, even if she had gotten this granted, um, she probably wasn't taking it for medical reasons. She was u- taking it because it was a performance-enhancing drug, and it increases blood flow, which improves excess capacity, uh, exercise capacity in athletes. Yeah, it's it's very similar to blood doping. I exactly. mean, it's very it's so it's similar. for endurance sports. There's no doubt it helped her. Um, you know, when's the last time you remember watching Maria Sharapova out there getting dead tired in a match? I mean, she plays a, a style that you wouldn't think needs to you know just grind and grind and grind she's an aggressive player but there's no doubt that she was getting an advantage from this um i, I think that's dispute this is non-disputable and what i want to talk about is sort of the reaction in the tennis community from all this um because zach who's more you're more separated in, in sports in a larger scale when you you know you talking to our friends or people that hear this you know what do you think is is the general sports i mean sports centers covering this this is this is national yeah, news. Is. So, what do you think the, the the overall sports reaction to this? And then I want to talk about sort of the disappointment I see in the tennis response to this. It it all kind of comes together in in such a similar way. Whether it was you know when it all started with baseball, mostly is when like the big stories broke out with Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, all the big time um, hitters in baseball, and now. And every time you hear a new story about a famous athlete, Maria Sharapova being another one, she's been around for so long. It's, it's like you said, it's disappointing. It's just kind of a letdown to the sport. You think somebody is so good for so long when you realize, you know, could things have gone differently? Yeah. I'm in the, I don't know, I don't know if people like this, but... I don't want to, obviously I would never say I'm happy to see that somebody has has you know their career is in jeopardy because of uh, them failing a drug test that I would never say that but I think this is good in the sense that me being one of those people that thought maybe you know what you know even if they're drug testing you know the top players are never going to test positive well a top player has tested positive now and that's yeah. something that it's important um now that's that does not mean that I think we're t- tennis is doing nearly enough to to um, you know make the sport clean because there's no doubt in my mind that the players are doping. And you can ask the players. I mean, uh, you know, to to say everybody's on something is unfair, and I won't say that. But these people are in a competitive market, and they're going to try and find any way they can to become the best players and they to are. Gain an edge, and they can do that legally. By like practicing hard, they can do that 
through, you know, great through, through circumstances and, and whatever you want. But at the end of the day, there's, uh, there is undoubtedly performance enhancing drug use in tennis. And I think that's why I'm the most disappointed in this is that I'm looking at, you know, tennis, obviously plenty of my followers on Twitter. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta, I have a pretty good sense of the tennis community or at least the, the, the tennis passionate community. Um, and it's, Look, I, I don't blame any of the WTA or, or ATP for, for backing Sharapova up and saying it was an honest mistake. Obviously, it's their sport. It's their organization. You want to do that. You want to protect that. But the idea that, you know, this is the sort of thing that is unlucky and, you know, is, you know, we should reduce suspension and it's, you know, it doesn't represent the sport. That's also unfair. I mean, it's just we're living in a fantasy land right now where, Everybody thinks the sport is great. And this year has really, I think, thrown a rock in the water. And, uh, you know, we, with doping, with match fixing. Um, and I don't think it's going to stop there. I think there's um, a, a story or two that will come out this year or later that, uh, that are, expose other parts of the sport. And I think it's important that we understand that and accept it for what it is. Because the more we live with the idea that tennis is clean and, Tennis is fair, and you know it, it further perpetuates the problem itself. So, um. well, the thing is, you know, we look at tennis from a perspective where we love the game, and we love the purity of it. And guys like Roger Federer, I mean, like I, I'm assuming that he hasn't been on. But anything. but no, that's what you assume. And that's what I assume. I'm but not he, saying that he could 100 percent have been. Yeah, there's there's an absolute chance of it, but we don't want to believe it because we believe in the purity of the sport. But in hindsight, we need to realize that tennis, just like every other sport, no, is, not just like every other sport. I'm saying it's more liable than many sports. No, like every other sport, it's a source of entertainment, and of and the game has changed so much over the years into such a physical sport where it's just grinding from the baseline. Guys are hitting the ball so much harder. For the fans that aren't like you and I and everybody out here listening, you know, it's it it's more enjoyable to see bigger hitting, more baseline rallies rather than two three point rallies for fans that go to enjoy it for the entertainment and for the big name. And so, are you are you implying that to make a product more entertaining, the, the player somewhere like baseball that the players are are doping? I'm I'm not saying I'm you see because baseball also is sort of like tennis for me it's it's a sport that I really care about and it's a sport that I've been following for many many years so I believe in the integrity of the sport and in the purity of the sport and I want to believe that everybody's clean but the fact of the matter is you know I was watch like before I heard about Barry Bonds taking PEDs I see him hitting or anybody taking PEDs I see him hitting these massive home runs. It's just so much fun to watch before you realize well, what's course. really going on. Of course. Uh, but, see, the bottom line at this point is this. And that's that the, the more that we, you know, talk about how much we love it and all this stuff, it comes down to, you know, ethics, personal responsibility. I appreciate, you know, Sharapova taking full responsibility much more than, you know, say, Victor Troitz, Giermarin, Chilich did. Um, I think she did a great job with that. That does not mean that she's some sort of saint and that she should, you know, get rewarded for that. 
it's it's this idea and look if if this, if people were taking if you know if you think that the, the tours i disagree that the tours would would start to use PED juice to make a better product because if they're making a, a better product then our ratings would be way better over the last 15 years they've been horrible so um i don't think that's the case i think it's a case of people wanted people started to play a different way because the court started to slow down and um people wanted to win this was about winning yeah. prize money um and what was interesting about the australian open was in the sharapova is that you know she tested positive and then played five matches um so uh and then we didn't hear about it until this week when she called a, a press conference you know what is that 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 doesn't make me feel comfortable about this because you know what was going on was she trying to appeal for uh, you know apply for a retroactive therapeutic use exemption she probably was and probably got denied and it's the transparency that the sport could have is like i don't again i don't live in the on the opposite side where i know that we can make the sport completely transparent there's no such thing but the opportunities that we have to just you know make people make people like understand like what's going on is just so great and we don't take advantage of it and you know by by doing things like this um i think you just open up more speculation and it does i mean if you don't speculate anymore after something like this i think you're not you're not thinking so it's um it's an important conversation so how political do you think atp wta and itf is getting with um players that are doping you know just keeping everybody in the dark for a long time trying to hash out no no look like i'm not i don't want to start any conspiracies because like i said i think that's why this was important that there was a top player that was with that tested positive so but again it still took that long for no it to of come course out. Do you of think course that, of I course mean, no look i'm not like i said i'm not starting any conspiracies because that's that's wrong but i'm saying that the more that the atp itf and wta don't release information time timely and effectively and with great detail the more people are allowed to speculate about what's happening and i think the tours are learning from that this year with doping and match fixing and um i think it'll make it'll, it'll be interesting i don't like sports never changed before so you know why should we believe why should we believe it's going to now but i'd like to think that um you know maybe people uh should understand that they'll have to sacrifice a little bit of their paycheck for the future of the game to make, you know, to pass the game along, to put it where it was in a better place than it was before. So um, that's going to, that, you know, I think, I think that's enough. All about the kids. Um, yeah, right. I mean, if, if, you know, we talk about going to sports, like, you know, this isn't for the big, this isn't for you. This is for, just for the, the integrity and the longevity and the quality of sport. So, um, well, let us know your thoughts. Uh, is Sharapova being wrongfully suspended because you know her team just honestly didn't see the list? Is this um, something that worries you? Is this something that you think is a sign of things to come? Let us know in the comments below on Twitter at Tennis Nerds, or you can email me at joey.hanf at gmail.com. Um, so finally, we're going to get into our uh, ticket wear competition picks for Indian Wells, and we'll see you around the corner. Third installment of our ticket wear picks competition. We're gonna make this one very simple for you guys. 
so that anybody can enter. We must have a disclaimer that we can only send shirts in the US um, with our partnership with Sicket Wear. Uh, unfortunately, it is not possible for, for us to continually ship internationally. So um, we encourage everyone to participate, but only US uh, or North American uh, based entries can yes. win. And we will give you a shout out if. Yeah, if you're international and you win, we will give you a shout out. Um, we'll see what we can do. Yeah. Uh, all right. So this week for Indian Wells, big tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to make it simple. You pick a winner. It could be anybody. You pick a sleeper. A sleeper has to be anybody ranked outside, anything outside the, the 10 seed or below. And a dark horse who has to be unseated. When you say the 10 seed or below, would that be... So, yeah. So, who's the 10 seed? <laughs> we should probably know this. <laughs> the 10 uh, seed is Marion Chilich. Marine Chilich. So, you can go with Chilich or anybody, you know, right. 11 down. So, you can pick Chilich if you'd like. Okay. Um, so, why don't you go first? Who are you picking to win? I think, I mean, the winner, have, we'll have a lot of people pick the same one, which is yep. a smart pick. But who are you going with? I will go with the, hopefully, the general public... Uh, Novak Djokovic, the guy's on fire and seems unbeatable. Well, since I can't win a shirt, and I'm going to have some fun, I'm going to go with somebody who's played absolutely horrifically at Indian Wells in the past. Um, I'm going to go with Stan Wawrinka. He's playing at Madison Square Garden tonight. Had a fun exo with Stan Wawrinka. I think he's relaxed. I think he's due um, on a slower hard court there in in Indian Wells. Um, He really hasn't played that well there recently, but I think he's going to play well this year. So... That being said, I'll probably lose first round. <laughs> okay. Uh, your turn to go for sleeper. All right. My sleeper, um, he is the, oh boy, he's the 13 seed. Okay. Uh, probably one of my favorite players to watch. Really depends on whether or not he shows up to play. Gael Monfils. Oh, that's interesting because uh, my boy, my sleeper, um, is you know what? I'm gonna take my pick. Me and my sleeper is gonna be curious, but I've decided that I think he's gonna sort of tank the first round match, first or second round match, just to prove to Tomic that he was injured. <laughs> so even though he's not, so I'm gonna change my pick. So you're going with Monfils, oh, yeah. who was also in Madison Square Garden tonight, who attempted many tweeners. Um, <laughs> okay, um, I'm gonna go with somebody that. Hmm. See, we, we make our picks on the show, folks. So. Um, right on the spot. Right on the spot. I don't know. There's not a lot of good ones, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, I think... I'm going to go with Martin Kleson. Oh, okay. Kleson has been sort of tree-ish lately. <laughs> and, um, yeah, why not? Okay. Yeah, I can go with Kleson. Um, just, just because of his recent okay. form and ability to hit the ball extremely hard. He could play Verdasco in round two. He then could play Nadal in round three, which would be... Anything could happen. Fun. Going please on. Yep. All right, Dark Horse, Zach, unseated. Take your pick. Dark Horse, unseated. Now, it's going to be the qualifiers. We're not even fire on qualities yet. So you could pick a qualifier, um, or you could pick somebody that's just there. I'm so. going to pick somebody that's there. Okay. I might pick a qualifier. You're going to pick a qualifier? Okay. Who could lose before the competition even starts? All right. You never know. Anything can happen. Go ahead. Um, I'm gonna go with wild card. An interesting first round match. I already know where you're going. I know you know where I'm going with it. Uh, two young Americans going at it. I will. I mean, Taylor Fritz has 
been on a roll this season so far. I don't know if he's going to be tired or not. He's had a lot of really good wins. I think he's rested. Um, I think he's prepared. I think he's going to have a good tournament. I think he's going to pull some major upsets, possibly. Who's going to just draw here? We have Gofan. Yeah, Gofan's tough, but it's a slower hardcore. Exactly. It's through it. uh, but, I mean, the match against Tiafo will be interesting. So You have Cuevas in there. Definitely not a bad draw. Uh, your boy Stan, eventually. but but Fritz Fritz Tiafo is sort of a, is is more mental than anything else. I mean, those guys play each other and practice a lot. So, look at your phone going off again during the show. That's it's in my room, uh, dude. Still could hear it. Um, okay, my turn for a pick. So, I am going to go. You know, what? I'm just gonna stick. I'm not gonna go risk a qualifier. I could pick Smee. I could pick for Tangelo. They're both in there. Um, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and instead, I will take... This is cheating. This is really cheating, but uh, I'm going to go with Juan Martin Del Potro. Uh, <laughs> he's a wild guard. He's unseated. And you know what? That's he's hitting his backhand terribly, but his forehand and serve are still so good that I don't think it matters. <laughs> so, look, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, great job. Okay. Um, it's so, my mom, guys. Come on. So, oh yeah, that's great. Great. The maturity on the show is just through the roof. Um, so, I my picks. I got Stan and Cleason and Del Potro. So, three completely unpredictable players. And you've got? Yeah, I've got number one seed Novak Djokovic, thirteen seed Gaël Monfils, and the young American. Uh, the young American, Taylor Fritz. All right. So, to enter the show, get a free t-shirt, mate. What are you doing? Ah, I just had to tuck a strain there. Um, <laughs> uh, you pick a winner, you pick a sleeper, and you pick a dark horse. I didn't say you should stop. And, uh, yep. So, make your picks. Comment below. You can always tweet at Tennis Nerds with your picks. And that's going to wrap it up for episode six. It's been a long episode. I had a lot to talk about. Great interview with Mark Stein. Hopefully you guys are enjoying the show. If, as always, if you haven't already, please leave a review on iTunes. Help us out. We've appreciated the positive reviews to start. Yes, we have. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back next week, episode seven. Have some opportunities we can't tell you about yet, but perhaps an exciting show next week. Yeah, and enjoy the start of Indian Wells. Enjoy the start of Indian Wells. See you guys later. Peace. Oh, 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 oh,